Hello, greetings, thank you for your interest in spiritual matters, and thank you for joining us as we continue to explore what God has made known in Christ and in the pages of Scripture. My name is Ethan, I work with the Venice Church of Christ, we're disciples, making disciples, and I'm a denominational church in Los Angeles. We'd love to be of some kind of encouragement to you. We'd love to hear what you think about what we're talking about today. Please let us know in the comments, and if we can be of any further service to you, please let us know at VeniceChurchOfChrist.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and on YouTube. It is written in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, that when Yahweh passed by before Moses, he proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, keeping loyal love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but he by no means leaves the guilty unpunished, responding to the transgression of fathers by dealing with children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. In Psalm 136, uh, the great praise psalm of God, Give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good, for his loyal love endures. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loyal love endures. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loyal love endures. And notice Jonah's complaint to God in Jonah 4 and verse 2. That, oh Yahweh, this is just what I thought would happen when I was in my own country. This is what I try to prevent by trying to escape to Tarshish. Because I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and one who relents concerning threatened judgment. We can see that one of the persistent themes that Yahweh wanted to inculcate within Israel, within his people, was in the Hebrew chesed, his unwavering confidence and maintenance in covenant obligations with a warm feeling toward the covenanter, which is why you see the term translated loving kindness, steadfast love, and the NET has a very good translation here of loyal love. In fact, if there's two themes that pervade the Psalms and were designed to consciously and unconsciously shape the faith of Israel, it's Yahweh is the creator and Yahweh displays chesed toward his people. And in truth, these two principles, that Yahweh is their creator and that Yahweh shows covenant loyalty, is going to support and sustain Israel's faith and perspective. Because as creator, everything and everyone are subject to him, and he's going to do what he's going to do. And he has, he has purpose to display covenant loyalty that he showed first to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then to their descendants. Uh, that deliverance from the Egyptian bondage of the strong hand in giving the land of Canaan was how he displayed that covenant loyalty. And also, he promised covenant loyalty to David and to David's house. So therefore, why should Israel entrust themselves to Yahweh and only Yahweh? Because he is their creator. There is no other creator. He is worthy of confidence because he had delivered their ancestors and he provided the land and its attendant blessing. And that is why Israel was called to observe and uphold Torah, to provide loyal love to, uh, to God as God had showed loyal love to him them. And indeed, uh, we can see in the story of the people of God that they confess that, yeah, Yahweh is the creator God of Israel. He displayed covenant loyalty, like in Psalm 105. But the story of Israel, especially before the exile, is one of covenant faithlessness. And that's the way the story is put in Psalm 106. The generation in the wilderness constantly doubted and complained, and they died in the wilderness. Their children entered the land, would conquer much of it, but not all of it. And their children would persistently serve gods other than Yahweh. They always offered sacrifice to Yahweh. They always recognized God, Yahweh as the God of Israel and that he delivered their forefathers. 
But they also honored the gods of the people around them, and gave to them some of the honor that was due to Yahweh their God. They didn't really want Yahweh as their king, they wanted a human king, and their kings did not uphold righteousness, but they tolerated and even commended corruption, greed, oppression, and abuse, and they participated in the machinations of ancient Near Eastern foreign policy. And because of that covenant faithlessness, Yahweh continually judged his people, and it led to the destruction of both the kingdoms of Israel and Judah in the exiles they experienced in the year 722 and 586 before Jesus. Now a remnant of Israel would maintain their confidence in Yahweh as their God, and would confess that their ancestors had sinned, and they vowed to no longer walk in those sins. And they would be that people of Yahweh who would persist from 586 until the days in which everything would find its fulfillment. And it's these Israelites, these Israelites who wish to uphold and glorify God, uh, who we can hear grappling with what it meant to uh, believe in God and to uh, that he, whether he was truly upholding his covenant loyalty or not. The Korites in Psalm 44 are bitterly lamenting their condition, and they want a response from God. They confessed in the first three verses that, that what Yahweh had done for their fathers, and that they had heard it and they believed it. And they had confidence that God could defeat all of their enemies in verses 4 through 8. And in verses 9 through 16, they lament their current condition, how they've been defeated by enemies, they've been mocked, they've been derided and humiliated. In verses 17 through 22, they, uh, they're very clearly willing to accept the chastisement if they had done wrong. But uh, they said they had not. Uh, if we had rejected our God, in verse 20, and spread out our hands in prayer to another God, would not God discover it, for he knows a person's secret thoughts? Yet because of you we are killed all day long. We are treated like sheep at the slaughtering block. And then they cry out to him, Rouse yourself! Why do you sleep, O Lord? Wake up! Do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way and ignore the way we are oppressed and mistreated? For we lie in the dirt with our bellies pressed to the ground, Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your chesed, because of your loyal love. So they, they see the situation they're in, and they, and they don't understand why God hasn't, or why God isn't doing anything with all the stuff that they're going through, all the things that they, in fact, are suffering. And we see uh, Ethan, the Ezraite, saying and protesting the same thing in Psalm 89 in terms of, in fact, the Davidic dynasty. So in the first 37 verses, Ethan is praising Yahweh as the creator because he has demonstrated loyalty to his people, the fact that he chose David and that he uh, made this promise uh, to David to his house to display covenant loyalty toward them. And in verses 38 through 45, Ethan then looks and sees the degraded and humiliated state of David's house, that the enemies have triumphed, that uh, there's no one of David's line ruling on the throne. And then, verses 46 through 48, uh, Ethan asks, How long Yahweh's anger is going to last, since his own life was not going to go on very long? And again, the answer, the question that, that haunts it, that ends it, beginning in verse 49, Where are your earlier faithful deeds, O Lord, the ones performed in accordance with your reliable uh, oath to David? Take note, O Lord, of the way your servants are taunted, and of how I must bear many insults from people. Your enemies, O Yahweh, hurl insults. They insult your chosen king as they dog his footsteps. Now, yes, if you look in your Bibles, there's Psalm 89.52. But that is a rhetorical device. It's the end of the third book of the Psalms. We see that when he ends books of Psalms, the Psalter puts in this demonstration or declaration of praise to Yahweh. 
and it's, it's very discordant and very jarring here at the end of Psalm 89. Maybe that's part of the reason uh, why it was put there. But it's a very shocking ending for a psalm, since most of the psalms end in some kind of confidence. But Ethan just leaves it out there. The raw question opened and unanswered. And so, yes, pre-exilic Israel persisted in various sins, did not prove circumspect about their covenant faithlessness. But there's a remnant in this post-exilic Israel that pursued and sought covenant loyalty with God, who upheld Torah and wanted to know where Yahweh had gone, wanted to know where all of these promises had gone. And we can just imagine them sitting in that for years and years and years and years. Now, when we look at the history of Second Temple Israel, we could identify many points during that time, even during the time when the Holy Spirit fell silent, where Yahweh delivered and rescued his people. Uh, it's hard not to see that going on in the days of the Maccabees, for instance. But also the times where the people of God suffered terribly. And they were lowly, they were humbled, they were oppressed. And you can imagine that many would have had the same questions as the Korites and Ethan, and wonder where uh, Yahweh's covenant loyalty had gone. Yet, Yahweh was going to prove faithful to his covenant, as you can see in the first chapter of Luke. That Gabriel and angel Gabriel, verses 4 through 25, visits Zechariah and spoke of his son John as a fulfillment of the promise that the Elijah would come and prepare the way of Yahweh. And then Gabriel visits Mary and promises her that she would conceive and bear a son who would inherit the throne of David, that he would be called the Son of the Most High, and he would rule over a kingdom that would have no end. And so in Luke 1, 46-55, Mary will sing what is called the Magnificat. And as he, she concludes it, she cries out that he has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Now, Greek is like English in as much as it has no equivalent to the Hebrew chesed. And so the Greek translators of the Hebrew text would often use aleos uh, in Greek, which we normally translate as mercy. And so when we see, remembering his mercy here in verse 54, yeah, I mean, you can make a case for the fact that God has not given what is deserved. But also, we should definitely see the idea of chesed behind this, that uh, God has remembered his covenant loyalty as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And so, you can sit here in this moment, a very powerful moment here that, that Mary is, is, is dwelling in, where she has been raised her whole life, hearing about the hopes and promises of Israel, the hope of Israel. Israel's existence at this point is nourished in the hope that God was loyal to covenant and would do what he said he was going to do. And that had sustained her parents, it had sustained her grandparents, her great-grandparents, her great-great-grandparents for generations and generations. And it was all now coming to pass. And indeed, Yahweh would fulfill in her son Jesus of Nazareth all that he promised Israel. In Luke 24, 44-47, Jesus declared how he fulfilled everything written in the law, prophets, and writings through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. That It was not fulfilled the way that Israel had been expecting. From the beginning, the fulfillment of all that Israel had uh, desired was subversive, something that even Mary saw, uh, recognizing that God had lifted up her lowly estate and that that's what God was doing in her son. And that is why many did not recognize him as the Christ. 
But we have the benefit of hindsight to see that Yahweh proved faithful to his promises and displayed his covenant loyalty to his people. And so when we think again about what the Korites in Psalm 44 and Ethan in Psalm 89 are asking for, you know, what would have been the response that Yahweh would have given them? And of course, it's, it's, we're not going to presume to speak for God, but the Psalter himself gives us a clue by putting Psalm 90 next to Psalm 89. And it's Moses' meditation on how man has a very short life in comparison with God's timeline, that in his good time Yahweh fulfilled what he had spoken and did what he had promised, that Israel should not have been surprised at this. I mean, the fulfillment of the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would have taken hundreds of years. And so we could very easily imagine God having responded, if such a response could be made, to the Korites and to Ethan saying, in, in my good time, it would all be fulfilled in his good time. And it, indeed it was. Yahweh is the creator God of Israel, and he displayed covenant faithfulness and loyalty to his people. Now, Yahweh's covenant loyalty to Israel has allowed now all of us to come to the knowledge of what he accomplished through Jesus so that we can be saved also, which is Paul's great message in Ephesians 2 and 3, that Yahweh is not merely the creator God of Israel, but is the God of heaven, and that in Christ he has extended covenant loyalty to everyone who would participate in Jesus' kingdom, Colossians 1, 9-13. And so we also can have that confidence that God had of Israel, that God is our creator and therefore has power and authority. And God has proven his worthiness in demonstrating his covenant loyalty because he has delivered uh, us from sin and death through Jesus' death and resurrection. And so now as a people of God, we can now see many who have come before us and, and did not prove fully faithful to what God has made known in Jesus, right? Just like Israel could see that about uh, the pre-exilic days. And we also uh, know that Jesus is going to judge them for that, as he's in fact going to judge all of us. We will all stand before his judgment seat in Romans 14, 10 through 12. But if we're honest with ourselves, are there times we go through the same kind of despair like the Korahites and Ethan did? That uh, we may not doubt the saving events. We may have no doubts at all that God did everything he said he did in Jesus. But we might wonder, where is he gone? Where is he? Why are things still as they are? And these are some of the concerns that the Apostle Peter anticipated in 2 Peter chapter 3, where he expected scoffers in verses 3 and 4 to wonder what had happened with Jesus' promised return. And he made appeal to the days of Noah in verses 5 through 7, that the heavens and earth that existed at that time existed until they were devastated by that deluge, and that today's heavens and earth are stored up for fire. And it's fascinating that in 2 Peter 3a, Peter alludes, alludes no other than Moses in Psalm 90 in verse 4, that... A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And that in verse 9, that uh, the Lord is not slow concerning his promises, some regard slowness, but is being patient towards you, because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. In verses 10 through 13, he then establishes and affirms a day of judgment would come, and a new heavens and earth would come about in righteousness. And thus Christians should live in faith and be prepared. What's interesting is that in Matthew 24, 36-44, Jesus had used that same illustration about the days of Noah to a very similar end, saying that only the Father knows the day and time, that's why everybody needs to be prepared, that everything would take place just as had been promised, and that it, everything was going to be normal until it wasn't, and that, in fact, uh, everything that was promised regarding uh, what would take place uh, to uh, visitation uh, of God to his people, Israel, would take place and in the first Jewish war of 66 through 70. In Revelation 6, 9 through 11, 
those Christians who had been martyred for the faith cried out to God, and they wanted to know when their blood would be avenged. And then they were told to rest a little longer until the full number of them had been established. The end of Revelation, that when John had received the vision of Jesus about the new heavens and the new, and the new earth and the glorified people of God, Jesus tells him, and the angel tells him, These words are reliable and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits and the prophets, has sent his angels to show his servants what must happen soon. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy expressed in this book. And he says that the words uh, do not seal up the words of the prophecy contained in this book because the time is near. The evildoer must continue to do evil. The one who is morally filthy must continue to be filthy. The one who is righteous must continue to act righteously, and the one who is holy must continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to pay each one according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they can have access to the tree of life and can enter into the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wants it take the water of life free of charge. And it all ends. The one who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. And that is the final word that we have had spoken to us by Jesus through his apostles. Because that is our confidence. We have the invitation of Jesus, the Spirit, and the Church. The assurance that Jesus will come soon. And the confidence that we can have God in Christ as our Creator that he has demonstrated his covenant loyalty and faithfulness, that he will do what he said he will do. And that's how we are to anchor our faith, that God is our creator, that God is loyal to his covenant people, and that God does what he says he will do, that he demonstrated his covenant loyalty to Israel, and he fulfilled all things he had promised to Israel in Jesus, and that God is our creator and has proven loyal to his covenant with Abraham, and has given all of us the opportunity to share in the inheritance of the promise in Jesus and his kingdom, and that God's covenant loyalty provides us with the confidence to live in this hope, that God has already dwelt among us as Jesus. He has already suffered and died and is raised from the dead. He is reigning as Lord, and thus he assuredly will return. He will judge the living and the dead, and we will all share in the resurrection of life. Yes, indeed, we may wonder how much longer or we might wonder at times where God seems to have gone, like Israel did. But we can know he is there. He is faithful. And he will do it. Thus, indeed, we can see why we ought to maintain confidence in God and Christ through loyal, his loyalty and covenant. And Maranatha, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Do you have any questions or comments? Anything that you have to say in regards to the stuff that we have looked at here when it comes to covenant loyalty, please let us know. Share it in the comments. Let us go to God in prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. We're so thankful, Father, for the blessings of life. We're thankful that you are a creator and that you have made us and everything that we have in our comes from you. We are thankful for the hope 
that you have extended toward us for resurrection in Jesus. We're thankful for the redemption that you've purchased for us in him. We're thankful for the spirit, the word, for one another, for the good gifts of the creation. And Father, we, we're mindful there are many who are struggling uh, and going through difficulties. We pray that you would heal those who are ill, that you would comfort, strengthen, sustain those who are in grief, distress, those who mourn or in pain. We pray that you provide for those who are in need, preserve life where it is in danger. And Father, we uh, we wonder in, a, in, in our flesh and in, in our weakness sometimes and in our struggles and trials where you are and 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 where when it all might come to an end and where and we know father father that you are loyal to your covenant that you were faithful to israel you are faithful to us we pray that you would give us the strength and patience to endure all things uh, that we may be able to share in that glorious time of, uh, of the resurrection of your son and, and when he returns and we all may share in that resurrection and and maranatha we earnestly desire for that day to come that we can spend eternity with you these things we pray in jesus name amen we're again so thankful that you've joined us if we can be of any further service please let us know reach out to us at venice may the lord bless and keep you until we're able to meet again